I want to thank our pastors and our fellow elders for allowing me to share God's word with you today. You've already heard our key verse for today um, in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 7, instructions for, for wives and for husbands. I know this is not a popular uh, topic to preach on. It may be controversial, but I believe that it is very important. We are going to study um, this with gentleness and with love today. And I know there are singles here and young people, and you're probably wondering, this message doesn't apply to me. But it does, because some of you here have parents, and some of you uh, will have the desire to get married one day. And I know um, for some of you, um, you know someone that's getting married as well. So this is wisdom that can be used to bless others. I just want you to know, um, you can't go on what I say today. I'm not a perfect husband, nor a perfect elder. I can't claim to be a biblical scholar. I'm no Dr. Phil. I'm full of flaws and weaknesses, but because of God's grace, his forgiveness, he redeems and restores me daily. We are basically going all on God's word today. This is what will lead you and me today. The truth will lead us. Amen? Let me start off by praying. Father God, we thank you for this new day. Today, Lord, I pray for your wisdom. I pray you would humble us. I pray for eyes to see and ears to listen and hearts to be changed. Lord, I pray even though I am so inadequate to do this, would you fill me with your spirit that you would use me today, transform lives today. Today, Lord, we will discuss how we can be holy and faithful in our marriages. Lord, you design marriage. It's a beautiful thing. However, we understand and acknowledge it's constantly under attack. There are marriages here that are struggling or even on the brink of divorce. And there are marriages here that are strong but could be stronger. Father, would you teach us how to have strong and godly marriages fully blessed by you? Help us to understand biblical leadership and submission I pray for love and gentleness. I pray right now, Father, just for love and patience for one another and kindness, particularly for the wives and for the husbands. I pray for a submissiveness to your word. Holy Spirit, come and dwell with us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, I'm going to start off by asking you a question. Do you believe God's word is true? Amen. Because before we get started, we have to establish that very thing. Do you believe God's word is true? God's word is our source of authority. As we dive into his word today, I'm going to ask you, are we going to trust God? And the other thing, too, is are we going to believe in him? Or do you think his word should be altered? We have a choice to make. We can take it. We can twist it. We can adapt it to our our views and our ways of thinking and We can adapt to to what culture says, or we can take it and submit it and believe it. Do you believe God breathed out truth? Let's look at a couple verses. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's look at another verse, Numbers 23, 19. God is not human that he should lie not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So let me ask you again. Are we going to trust him? Amen. We're going to trust him and we're going to believe what he is saying in his word, knowing that his ways are his best for us. Now look, let's look at God's design for marriage. Would you agree that God cares so much about marriage? Yes. Marriage is designed by God. Marriage is a gift. Yes. Marriage was created in the garden. In Genesis 2.18, God said it, would not, it was not good for Adam to be alone. Adam needed a helper. Adam needed someone to serve, someone to love. Under his design, man and woman are made together to complement one another. Marriage in the end, is a picture of Christ and the church. So I want you to capture that in your minds right now. It's a picture of Christ and the church. Marriage is a living picture of Christ's love for the church, his love for you and for me. We are his bride. 
Can you see that? Amen. This is the will of God for marriage. From the beginning, the husband portraying the role of Christ and the wife portraying the role of the church. So why is it that so many marriages are struggling today? Simply, it is because we don't make it about God today. We make it about ourselves and our selfish desires. So, in spite of what God's word says, this is the reality. Let's look at some um, top reasons for divorce. So, statistics have shown that four out of ten marriages will end in divorce in Canada. That's pretty staggering, isn't it? So, these are the top reasons for divorce. We have infidelity, so extramarital affairs. Um, Money, lack of communication, constant arguing, unrealistic expectations, lack of intimacy, not being prepared for marriage, abuse, physical or verbal, and health issues. So what is biblical submission? You know, the word submission makes many Christians uncomfortable. Some of us cringe against the sound of it. Somewhere along the line, we have come to a false notion about what submission means in the Bible. I know for some wives right now, the word submit is hard to hear. But we need to see that biblical submission is really a beautiful thing, and it is very precious. Before it was a marriage thing, it was also a God thing, because there is submission in the Trinity. So, biblical submission is beautiful because it originates from the Trinity. God the Son submits to God the Father during his death on the cross. Jesus asks, not my will, but your will be done. If God the Son did not submit to submit um, to God the Father, there would be no salvation in this room today. Think about that. Also, it is a Christian thing because the whole Christian life is about surrender. Let's look at Ephesians uh, 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This applies to all of us who are followers of Christ. We are to serve others and put others first out of reverence for Christ. So what does biblical submission look like? First, let's look at what biblical submission is not. 
So it is not instilling fear. It is not inequality. In Genesis 1.26, God made man and woman in his image, and they are fully equal. No one is superior or inferior, better or worse. We were all created in his image, fully equal. But we are not the same. We complement each other. We have different roles. The third point um, is being abused by the husband, verbal or physical. That should never happen. Doing whatever the husband says. Following the husband's instructions to sin. Never sharing an opinion. Never confronting the husband. You know, I appreciate when my wife confronts me with any issues that I um, have or may have caused. We need to be confronted as husbands. Never seeking to influence the husband. So what does biblical submission look like? First of all, submission is to the Lord first. Submission is voluntary on behalf of the wife. The wife will joyfully support her husband's leadership as imperfect as it will be. She will also faithfully seek her husband's good, especially his eternal good. She will be intentional about showing her husband respect and love. The wife will do this even if he is a kind man or a difficult man, a spiritually mature man or immature man, or whether he is wise or he is foolish. God has asked the wife to do this. So let's um, explore First Peter 3 again. Um, verses 1 to 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respect and pure conduct. Do you see the power of the behavior of the wife here? It is never okay to criticize, to judge, to ridicule, especially in front of people. This is devastating for us men. It's like ripping our hearts out. Women, notice the power of your conduct and behavior. It can win over your husband. It can bring a husband to faith. God can use this to bring a husband to salvation. It can also bring encouragement to a husband that does not believe. It is the submission that applies a godly pressure on the husband to step up. And this is shown in the, in the power in how you live. 
Wives, respect softens a man's heart. Respect your husband's contribution to your family as well. Build your husband up. Encourage him. Give grace to your husband. Pray for your husband. Believe in your husband. I want to make it clear. I know there are situations where there is abuse. It should never be tolerated. That's a whole different circumstance on its own, and it should be dealt with differently. So I want to make that clear. And I know it also works both ways. So let's make that clear. It should never be tolerated. Let's look at verses 3 to 4. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So let's look at the wife's inner beauty versus outer beauty. So I just want to make it clear, women, there's nothing wrong with looking nice. Nothing wrong with wearing makeup. Nothing wrong with nice hair and looking fancy. It's all good. Believe us, husbands, we love it when our wives look beautiful. Peter is saying, wives, don't make your outer beauty your focus or your priority because this can lead to idolatry, envy, and lust. Wives, don't put your value on external means. Our culture is teaching our women that your beauty comes from the outside. And that's a lie. For the young women here, that's wrong. Your beauty comes from the inside. It's the inner beauty, the gentle and quiet spirit, the meekness. This is the beauty of Christ inside of you. It is the inner beauty what counts most. God considers this precious. So right now, I just want to let you know... um, I can't do this on my own, and I depend so much on my wife, uh, Roselle, um, for her wisdom, for her support, and I just want you to hear from her, particularly the ladies, wives, you you need to hear um, Roselle's story um, of being a, a faithful wife. Um, so earlier, uh, we sang the words, Lord, have your way in me. So 17 years ago, when Rich and I got married, we asked uh, Jesus for that. And that's my prayer for all of us, too. So to the ladies, I just want to share three important biblical concepts that had an amazing, positive impact in my marriage to Richard. Number one, that I am my husband's helper in our marriage. Number two, God says that my husband is the head of our marriage, and I choose to submit to that leadership. Number three, 
have a gentle and quiet spirit and ultimately put my hope in Jesus. And I know that if I didn't learn these three things, I believe our marriage will be on the rocks and it might be even over. So first principle, I am my husband's helper. Early in our marriage, God spoke this verse to me, Genesis 2.18. It says, I will make a helper suitable for him. Helper, this is what God had in mind when he created Eve, after he saw that Adam needed someone. The word in Hebrew is ezer kenegdo. It means that I am not the inferior helper, but I am, an, I am the essential, indispensable, quintessential, and just the right kind of help helper for Richard in this marriage. Together we complement each other and we are a team. And knowing this has helped me to be intentional in helping Richard in everyday life. We help each other. I learn to serve my husband without grumbling. For example, I make a choice to help him get ready in the morning, even if I already have four kids to get ready in the mornings. And I help him at home. I help him in ministry, in decision-making, and in everyday life. I learned, and I am still constantly learning, to give sacrificially and to be less selfish. And, um, you know, even as a wife and a mom. And I, I'm, I'm learning to just uh, to think of his needs and not just my own. Number two, I had to learn to see that my husband is the head of our marriage. Because God says so in his word. I have to trust God and I have to submit to Richard's leadership. He is the head of our marriage, just as Christ is the head of the church, his bride. And I have to obey to what God said in, um, in Genesis that um, he, he was, he's going to lead over me. So um, I have to believe that. I want to clarify, though, that this whole submission thing is not an easy thing for me. Um, it's not something that came naturally for me because, you know, submit, serve your husband. Husband is the leader. It used to make me cringe when I was younger. I thought it was really chauvinist and old-fashioned until God transformed me. Well, we got married only a few months after I graduated from university. But before I got married, and sometime uh, during my engagement, my dad uh, told me that he is concerned that I will, when I get married, that I'm going to pick fights with Richard and boss him around. There's like a Filipino word for it, like un, that Richard's going to be under the saya. It means like he's under my long skirt. <laughs> so that's uh, so he's really concerned, and he's saying like, oh, maybe you're not married, not ready for this, and maybe not yet. Maybe just wait a little bit. So you see, my dad knew that I was um, a strong-willed person. <laughs> so I'm the one who's more persistent and the one with the stronger likes and dislikes. And um, and I have a higher need for control. So consequently, I can be the more argumentative type, too, um, between the two of us. And Richard has always been the more quiet and laid-back um, person. And in other words, I'm the one who would want to wear the pants <laughs> in, this, in, in my marriage. Yeah. <laughs> so in the earlier years of our marriage, we had more fights and power struggles because I didn't really understand what biblical um, leadership was, and I didn't know what that submission thing was all about. I didn't see Richard as God's assigned leader in our marriage, but God is good. He took us on a long journey towards understanding this. And on my end, when I finally understood the importance of biblical leadership and submission, it really changed my attitude, my reactions, my interactions, my communication style, 
with Richard for the good. And there was more peace and satisfaction in my marriage, and there was less fighting and arguing. And even the way I disagree with Richard has changed too for the better. And, in, you know, I have my, a more peaceful way of doing that. So I learned to trust God, that he has a good reason for saying what he says in the Bible. Like, even though I don't un- fully understand it at a time, I have to trust him, step out in faith and trust him. And I know that assigned leadership is created by God to establish order in a marriage and in family life. And this model of leadership and submission transcends time and culture. It's not outdated and it's not chauvinist. I am not any less than Richard. I'm not inferior to him because of my submission. But look at the perfect example. Look at Jesus. Jesus is equal to God the Father. Yet, he had to choose to submit and respect the God's Father's leading in his life while he was here on earth. So it's a, cho- it's a choice that we make out of faith. So, and this understanding also transfers to other areas of our lives. It uh, transfers to our submission to the government, um, to our bosses, to our pastors and the leaders of the church, and for children and their parents. Um, and the last important thing that I learned is to have a gentle and quiet spirit. And to ultimately put my hope in Jesus. So First Peter 3 talks about what a wife should do when she has an unbelieving husband. Well, earlier in our marriage and for a long season, it wasn't that Richard was not a believer, but he was. we were not in the same maturity level in our faith. I became a Christian first, and so I've been walking with Jesus longer by the time we got married. And so the wives in a similar situation can learn from Peter's advice to have a gentle and quiet spirit towards our husbands who may not be on the same maturity level of faith as us. Well, during that season, I used to get anxious and I used to wonder, well, why is he taking so long like, to grow spiritually? And why is he not being the spiritual leader at home? And, and this anxiety, of course, on some occasions led to accusing and blaming and making him feel guilty for not doing what he's supposed to do. And... Um, But the Holy Spirit worked in me. I learned to pray about my frustrations, and I consistently prayed for Richard, and I learned to wait on Jesus to transform him. And as I prayed more, I found that I blamed less, so more prayer and less blaming. And God created in me the gentle and quiet spirit as I spent more time praying and reading his word. And the verse also says, hope in God like the holy women in the past. The more I put my hope in God, that he is the one working all things for the good, and that only he can change Richard, the more peace I had. The more peace I had, the less anxious I was, and less argumentative I was about Richard's shortcomings. I had more peace in our life, and in our marriage, and in our circumstance, because we've had a lot of challenges over the years, but God gave me more peace the more I gave it over to him. I had more love and more grace for my husband. And God is good. He answered my prayers over the years. I've kept a journal over the years, and I've seen how good God is in in just answering um, uh, all the prayers. Now now Richard is leading our family. But nine years ago, um, I remember sitting over there in that corner, and Richard had to talk for a little bit. He wasn't preaching a sermon or anything, but he had to say some things. And I, for some reason, I was so crazy nervous for him. Um, 
I was crazy nervous for him. It was bordering not being confident in him. And, um, but God saw my anxiety, and he quieted my spirit with a vision. In my vision, I saw myself holding Richard in the palm of my hand. So he was there, and I, it was an open. I had to open my palm, and then I lifted him up, and then I gave him to Jesus. So um, I had to uphold Richard. I had to let go of him and let God take care of him. So in the same way, ladies, put your hope in Jesus. Uphold your husband and trust him to Jesus. Don't nag him. Don't compare him or belittle him. Let go and let God. And I also needed to see that Jesus is my ultimate hope and redemption. Well, you know, uh, Richard has helped me move forward in my journey to wholeness and healing. But no matter how much love he showers me and how much he gives me affirmation, he cannot fully heal me from my hurts and my hang-ups. And he can't make me complete, fully complete. Only Jesus can do that. I have to always remember that the ultimate source of my hope and healing and redemption is Jesus, not my husband. And it's the same way for him. And um, another thing on the side, one last thing. This was not really originally part of what I was going to talk about, but God really put in my heart to say. So I want to address those of you who are parents who are or parental figures with a married son or daughter. I also speak to grandmas and aunties. Please be an advocate in uplifting and strengthening your son's or daughter's marriage, knowing that it is God's ordained institution. Jesus said, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Don't say things that demean your, your son or daughter's spouse. Be careful with what you say and how you say things. I know that you say things out of love and concern, but please ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom on how to say it. Your son and daughter value your opinion, and sometimes the negative words can cause division and cast doubt in your son and daughter's mar- or son or daughter's marriage especially if it's already fragile. Yes, your son and daughter or your son or daughter spouse may have weaknesses but have have hope for them that Jesus is working in his or her life and prayer will do great things. Jesus can move the mountains. And also to the wives and husbands, if someone is bashing your spouse, please don't bash your spouse with the bashers. Remember that you and your spouse are allies. Your spouse needs your respect even when you're not in front of them. Be careful with how you speak about your spouse in front of your kids. And if you have been the recipient of harsh and negative words, it's not too late. Jesus can help you forgive, and there is no hurt or wound that's too big for him to heal. He can move the mountains. He is mighty to save. Thank you. Okay. So men, it's our turn. Husbands, we need to step up. Let's step up. In Ephesians um, Ephesians 5, Verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. 
Head means to lead. We have to exercise a loving authority, husbands. We have to lead with love. We're not to be domineering, nor to dictate or to be superior. Men, we must assume leadership because God intends us to lead our families. Let's put up the quote here from Dr. James Dobson of Focus on the Family. It says, My observation is that women are merely waiting for their husbands to assume leadership. Husbands, I think our wives are waiting for us to lead our families. Would you agree? Let's look at First um, Peter 3, verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So let's look at the first command here. It says to to live with your wife in an understanding way. Live means more than just live in the same household. Live with your wife in an understanding way. For the, for the husband, you have to understand your wife. You have to know her. Men, I'm going to do a little uh, exercise here. I'm going to show you a couple of things on the screen, and I want you to describe um, what it is and uh, who it is that I'm trying to point out here. So let's pull up that slide. Uh, guess what I am. So if we look at it, finish of space gray, gold, or silver. Capacity of 64 gigabytes, 256 gigabytes, or 521. Do you know where I'm getting at, men? There's even a Super Retina HD display. What am I? That's right, an iPhone. Let's pull up the next slide. Who am I? Born February 17, 1963 in Brooklyn, New York. Six feet, six inches, played college ball at North Carolina. If we go down the list, six-time NBA champion. Who am I? Let's pull up the next slide. Michael Jordan. Greatest of all time. The GOAT. Sadly, gentlemen, sometimes we know more about our phones our favorite athletes, their statistics, our sports teams, our investment portfolios, our cars, our latest gadgets, even our golf equipment. We know more of these things more than our wives. So men, do we really know 
our wives, what her interests are, what inspires her, her strengths and her weaknesses, what bothers her. Do you know her emotionally? Do you remember milestones? Do you even remember her favorite flowers? And I want you to remember, this is conviction here, not condemnation. Men, we, we need to step up. So, if we look at that verse again, you know, we have to treat our wives with respect. How do you honor your wife? You have to respect her and admire her. When you dated her in the beginning, you did extra stuff, such as holding the door. You showered her with compliments. This should never stop. Peter also refers to um, the women as the weaker vessel. I just want to make it clear. She is not mentally weaker, not spiritually weaker. It means weaker physically. In general, men are physically stronger than women. And that being said, men being the stronger vessel, there is never a time to take advantage of your physical strength over your wife. It's never okay. God God has entrusted us to protect our wives. They are precious. I know it works both ways, but men, we, we need to understand It is never okay to take advantage of your strength that way. How many fathers here today have a daughter? Can you raise your hand if you have a daughter? So you could probably relate to this. Would it be a true statement that you are overprotected, overprotective when it comes to your daughter or daughters? You view them as extra precious? What more when it comes to God the Father, when it comes to your wife? He views your wife as extra precious. The other thing I want to point out too is heirs. The word heirs is mentioned meaning that wives are fully equal as husbands. They share this the inheritance of Christ exactly as the husband. The more you draw closer to the Lord, the more you will value her. When you spend time with the Lord and draw near to him, his thoughts will be your thoughts. Here are some other ways you can value your wife. You can tell her she's beautiful. You can thank her, compliment her, adore her, hold her with affection. And if we look further at verse 7, it also says that so that your prayers may not be hindered. This tells us if the husband fails to honor the wife, he will be disciplined by the Lord. Amen. There are serious consequences 
for us when we don't treat our wives well. This is the reason why there are so many men with lives and marriages that are falling apart. It's because we don't treat our wives well. The godly husband understands that biblically, the two have become one flesh. One flesh is more than just a sexual union. It means a spiritual union. One flesh means that there are no longer, there are no longer two entities, but just one. If we look in Genesis 2.24, it says that that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. The godly husband understands that I cannot hurt my wife without hurting myself. God sees the marriage as one unit. Therefore, he who loves his wife loves himself. And that's backed up in Scripture in Ephesians 5.28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Men, I'm going to share a story. I call it um, the late incident. And I think, men, we can relate. So the story goes, men, you're, you're getting ready for church. You're ready to go. However, your wife is running a little behind because she had prepared breakfast for the whole family. She had been running tirelessly to get the four kids dressed for, for church. While at the same time, she took the time to iron your shirt and also wasted a few minutes to find your wallet that you had misplaced. Long story short, you waited in the car for two minutes. Two minutes became five minutes. Five minutes became ten minutes. She had lost track of time because she was tirelessly trying to round up the family to get to church. Finally, as you pulled out of your driveway... You were critical towards your wife. You had said a few harsh words and said a few words that cut deep. You got to church and you didn't have any peace. Guys, I think you know what I'm talking about. You know the feeling. You felt convicted by the Holy Spirit. You later apologized to your wife and kids for your actions. Hey, this sounds like my story. Man, I think we can relate. I'm sure you shared similar experiences. Men, in our times of anger, we speak our mind. We say things to our wives that may seem like we're helping our own cause. We unload because at the time we feel justified, but in the end we lose. You will never win if you mistreat your wife. You bless your wife, you bless yourself. Hurt your wife, you hurt yourself. We want to obey these commands because it will impact our children as well. We model this at home because our kids are watching. 
They are learning from us. So church, there will always be trials. But if we get on God's plan for marriage, we can experience marriages that are fulfilling, full of love, grace, and joy. And wives and husbands, this is going to be a difficult conversation after service. I think God has spoken to all of us here. Would you be gentle to one another as you talk this over? Don't let the moment pass. And if you need help, please reach out to our pastors, our elders. We even have a a prayer corner back there after service. Would you not leave and let this moment pass? Let's pray. God, you have commanded us on what we should do. Lord, I I just pray for marriages here to be healed, broken families to be healed and restored to the way you intended, Lord. Lord, would we continue to submit to your word and your authority? Lord, there is perhaps some of us here or even one person here that has never put their trust in you. I pray today would be the day that this individual or individuals would submit to you. Lord, you are an awesome God. And we thank you for what you are doing here. We pray for your conviction over this topic, Lord. I pray for wives and husbands to just love one another, to be there for each other, and to honor you in their marriage. Would they fully submit their marriages to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.